Brothers and sisters in Christ, a reading from Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 23. Now let us attend to God's wisdom. That means that you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected to the old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full-time. Remember, you have been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. So, since we're out from under that old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we are free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourself sin, to sin, for instance, and that's the last free act. But offer yourselves to the ways of God and that freedom never quits. All your lives you've let sin tell you what to do, but thank God you've started listening to a new master, one whose commands set you free to live openly into his freedom. I'm using the freedom language here because it is easy to picture. You can readily recall, can't you, how at one time the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became, the less freedom you had. And how much different is it now as you live in God's freedom? Your, your lives healed and expanse in holiness? As long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? What you did, you got out of it? Nothing you're proud of now. Where did it get you? A dead end. But now that you have found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do and discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a surprise! A whole healed, put together life right now with more and more life on the way. Work hard for sin your whole life your prevention will be death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our Master. This ends this reading of this, His Holy Word. May it be good news to us.
So I remember it like it was yesterday. It was the summer of 1988. And I can remember that year for any, and for any of you who were alive at that time, that was an incredibly hot summer. I was still back home in my home state of Michigan. And this was maybe the first time, at least in my memory, that we had several days that were above 100 degrees. And I just, for some reason, that, that summer just lives in my memory because of that. But I'm not really here to talk about the weather today. What I want to talk about right now is voting. In October of the year prior, I turned 18, which meant that I could vote. Um, I had already voted in my first election. That was for the mayor of Flint, Michigan, where I grew up. And I was getting ready for the upcoming presidential election that year. I was incredibly ready to vote in that election. But the local election, especially maybe like a school board election, not so much. I was home. This was my first year of college had just been completed, so I was now home. And like I said, there were some school board elections happening that year, and I had zero interest in them. Didn't care, was not interested. I was gonna sit this one out. I can remember that my mother was getting ready to go vote. And it wasn't a long way to go voting. You just kind of went somewhere across the street to the church, and that's where our precinct was. And she was getting ready, and she asked me if I had voted. And I responded no. And it was in that way, in that voice, that could tell you I had no intention of doing that, doing so. And that was the wrong answer to give my mother. She told me to get ready and to come along with her to vote. And for most of you who are aware of this, you will know that my mother is not someone that you want to say no to. So I went along with her and vote. I did not really want to vote. Wasn't interested, still didn't have very much interested. But for her, it was important and it was necessary. She believed, and still does, that it is always important to vote and to not take that right for granted. She believed especially that as citizens in a democracy, that is our obligation to vote, to vote for candidates who will lead us, who will represent us. And even more so, one of the things that made her want to vote is that people had fought and died, maybe only 20 years prior, to secure that African-Americans would be able to vote without intimidation. So I was obligated because of others who sacrificed and because of being a citizen in a democracy. In a country where we love to talk about freedom, what my mother was reminding is, us is, is that freedom is not 
the ability to do whatever you want and not have to worry about anybody else. What freedom was, was about expectations that you needed to live up to. Paul is back today as we continue in our sermon series on the book of Romans. And he is talking about living under sin and also living under grace and what that all means. In Christ, we no longer are captive to sin. We are now under grace. Sin is not what rules in our hearts and in our minds anymore. It is now grace. But just because we are no longer enslaved or in bondage to sin doesn't mean that we can do what we want. It is not the freedom that we have in Christ is not the freedom that we like to think we have in our society, that we as a society like to think is freedom. In our culture, Paul tells us that we actually are not free in the way that we think we are, that in some ways we are servants to somebody. In fact, what Paul says is that we are slaves, that we can either be slaves to evil or slaves to grace. Now, a quick note here before we continue going. I know that when we talk about the, and use the word slave, that can have, bring up bad connotations, especially in American culture. But the slavery of the Roman Empire was not the same as the slavery that we talk, we talk about in the antebellum South. Slavery here was more of what they would have called indentured servitude, that you put yourself into this time where you are a servant and either you have a debt to pay or what have you that you are able then to buy, get yourself out of that slavery. So just to let you know about that. But here we are a slave. We are bound to those that we are serving. And as a servant or a slave, you have expectations to live up to. You just don't get to do what you want. Being a slave to God, though, God means that we choose to be bound to God. We ask that God take over our lives and mold us day by day into the likeness of Christ. Now, there is the big word that we like to use when we are talking about what it means to become Christ-like, to be in a process of becoming like Christ. And that word is sanctification. It is the process that we are changed each day into the likeness of Christ. When it comes to the church at Rome or the church in Matamidae, the question we must always face is, how is God's spirit changing us? Are we living up to the expectations of faith? Are we realizing that the faith that we have, the freedom that we have in Christ, is also something that demands something 
from us. Sometimes we are tempted to come to church because it's comfortable. We love to come to meet our friends, to hear the good, the, the, the hymns, maybe to hear a nice sermon, but we don't really want to think that there's anything more to that. To follow Jesus, though, is to mean that something is required of us. It's something that is demanded of us. We are not simply free to do whatever we please, but in some ways we are called to obey. The expectation is there to be open to the Spirit and to allow the Spirit to change us. Now, expectation does not mean that you must do this. We are free to say no. But if we take our baptism seriously, if we believe that we are no longer under law but under grace, then that means that we must take what Christ has done and take what it means to be a Christian seriously. Now, I want to finish with a quote that I saw this week. It's from a Bible commentary, the book of Acts. You know, when I look at Bible commentaries to prepare for Sunday um, sermons, I don't normally necessarily think that they are, are that incredibly engaging reading, but this one was kind of like being hit with cold water. You had to stand up, you had to pay attention to it. The quote comes from a theologian, Willie James Jennings, who is a professor at Yale Seminary, and he shared this observation, and he is talking about the book of Acts and talking about sanctification. This is what he says. Where the Spirit of God is, there is a divine desire, not simply for God, but for one another, and not simply for one another, but for those to whom we are sent by the Spirit, to those already being drawn into communion with God and sensing the desire of God for the expansion of their lives into the lives of others. The deepest reality of life in the Spirit depicted in the book of Acts is that the disciples of Jesus rarely, if ever, go where they want to go, to whom they would want to go. Indeed, the Spirit seems to always be pressing the disciples to go to those whom they would, in fact, strongly prefer to never share space or a meal and definitely not life together. Yet, it is precisely this prodding to be boundary crossing and border transgressing that marks the presence of the Spirit of God. We read from the, we had our sermon series last month on the book of Acts, and we did not bring up this passage, but I'm always reminded here, when I think of this text, I'm reminded of Paul, or of Peter, the Apostle Peter, and he was called to share the good news with someone called Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman soldier. He didn't want to go 
and share the good news with a, to a Roman. But he had an encounter with God and he decided to go and do what God called him to do. Still not sure if this was the wise thing to do. But as he is preaching the good news, the gospel to Cornelius, the Holy Spirit comes down in their presence and Cornelius and all of his household are filled with the Spirit. And Peter understood that this was, this gift of, the, of Jesus was for everyone as the Holy Spirit demonstrated. Sometimes God is going to send us to places that we never dream of going to. But the thing is, and that scares us, but the thing is, if we are in God's spirit, we will feel that desire to cross boundaries. And we will know that God is with us because God doesn't send us alone. Being sanctified tends to imply that we are leaving our comfort zones and going into places that we would have never imagined. Followers of Jesus do not just sit in the pews or in this case behind a computer screen. We also find ways to connect with others. The mission statement of First Christian of St. Paul states that we are an inclusive family of God, creating and inspiring Christian discipleship through fellowship, community mission, and the love of Jesus. We are called by God to inspire others to follow Jesus through our actions, which are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The grace of God is amazing. We are no longer bound by sin. But just like being in a democracy has its expectations, and its demands, so does the church. So let us be open to the proddings of the spirit so that others may come and learn the love and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L.org. May God be with you in the coming week.